But when an equity deal, these influential people will only see a return if the company does well and eventually exits. So naturally, they're only inclined to do equity deals with companies that they truly believe in. Feastables, Prime and Chamberlain Coffee are all excellent examples of creator-backed businesses that are disrupting traditional fast-moving consumer goods brands. Welcome to the Business of Creators, and in today's podcast, I talk with the founder of Influencer Capital, a new fund that invests with influencer marketing in startups. They partner up with the web's most recognizable faces to put startup brands in front of millions of consumers in exchange for equity. I speak with the founder, Scott, to find out why startups should think about doing an equity deal with influencers and how to construct a deal like this. This concept could be huge. Before we get into the show, I want to tell you about Electrify Video Partners, a business I co-founded that invests millions of dollars into YouTube channels such as Veritasium. If you want a business partner to grow your YouTube channel or you're wondering how much your channel could be worth, check us out at electrify.video and get in contact. Right, let's get on with the show. So today on the podcast, I'm joined by Scott Vandenberg of Influencer Capital. Welcome to the show, Scott. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Excellent. So can you just tell everyone listening, what is Influencer Capital? Yeah, of course. So Influencer Capital is an organization that structures equity deals between promising startups and influential people, whether it's an influencer, creator, celebrity, athlete, actor, whatever fits a startup. And it basically allows startups to partner up with the best, most recognizable faces and put their startup in front of millions of consumers without spending cash. And on the other hand, it allows these influential people to earn equity in the companies they basically have grow. Wow. I mean, it sounds like um, an excellent mix. How did you come up with the idea? Yeah, so it has actually been quite a journey. So I've been involved with startups, uh, building my own startups, but also was involved with other startups ever since I'm like 15 years old. Um, and then in the end of 2019, I moved to Silicon Valley to help the Dutch government set up an organization that was basically building a bridge between Silicon Valley and the Netherlands to help more Dutch startups to get to the U.S., because as you can imagine, there are just many more resources, so startups can scale a lot faster. But then COVID happened, so no startup was able to get to the United States anymore. So that's when I also decided to move back. But what I really saw in the United States in comparison to the Netherlands, but also other parts of Europe, is that there were so many startups that only had a pitch deck, and they were already able to raise a million dollars. Whereas here in Europe, it's much harder. Even if you want to raise 100K, you need to have a product, you need to have traction, you need to have a team. So I was like, hey, I now have a network of US-based investors and I have a network of European startups. Why don't I connect these two? So that's called investment banking. So I started my own investment banking firm together with a good friend of mine. And we were basically helping these European companies to raise capital from US investors. And we did quite well. So we had like clients in 12 European countries and we were helping them raise capital. And in exchange for that, we would get like a consulting fee. But that became quite frustrating because... Yeah, said you're helping these companies grow. And then a year later, you look on your LinkedIn and you see that these companies raised 20, 50, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. And we were like, shit, it would have been much more interesting if we had like a small equity percentage in these companies instead of the consulting fee that we got. So that's when I decided to make an exit out of that organization. And then I just started to think about how can I get involved with companies on an equity play? And then I saw the rise of like a lot of these celebrity brands that you might also see in my background. And I was like, hey, why is there no dedicated organization that's actually combining and yeah these two parties with each other? And that's actually how the, the yeah, seed of influence capital was planted. 
I love it. And I'm excited to talk to you about some of those brands behind you later. Um, it seems like you've got some great experience from a finance perspective, but what about the kind of the creator economy side? How have you um, got up to speed with that? And what does, have you got a team that supports your advisors um, helping with, you with that side of the business? Yeah, indeed. So I started this company not knowing anything about the influencer marketing industry at all, not knowing anything about marketing at all. So obviously I had to do a lot of education myself. And it was also a little bit fake until you make it. So I started to reach out to the biggest talent management agencies here in the Netherlands. And I said like, hey, we're this organization that structured these types of equity deals. I would love to get in touch. Uh, we have some promising startups. And they were like, hey, this is actually very interesting. Let's talk. Uh, and then I just explained them what I did. And all soon I got in contact with like uh, one of the, like the owner of the largest talent man management agency in the Netherlands. And she was so enthusiastic about what we did and said like, hey, I actually want to be involved in this company, not necessarily only connecting my talents to your startup, but also maybe as an advisory position. Um, so that's how, how I onboarded like the first advisor, uh, like someone that has like been working together with talents for 20 plus years. Uh, I also onboarded one of the largest touch influencers as a shareholder to also have his perspective. So now I have this perspective of like a large influencer uh, a talent manager and we also recently did like an advisory deal with a us-based talent manager that can yeah help us with a network expertise experience to structure these types of deals um so i'm still learning uh i always say every day is a school day uh but in the meantime i'm trying to collect like uh, a team with uh, people that have so much more experience than me in this industry that's great. A really um, excellent way to get up to speed quickly. And um, I guess in addition to that, you're creating your own content. Is that right? Indeed. So, yeah, like I always felt a little bit of a disconnect between me and the talents because they were talking about uh, creating content, uh, feeling a burnout of creating content. How does it work with integrations? And I was like, well, uh, how does that all work? I have no idea. So that's when I started to experiment creating content on LinkedIn myself. Um, so I committed myself to post something every day and it's not only helping me to understand my target audience better. So the, the creators, but it actually also creates a lot of opportunities for me as a company as well, because I'm trying to educate founders, talent managers, influencers on what equity deals are, because there's still, uh, there's still a lot, not a, not a, not a lot of people know about what this exact, uh, exactly is. So I was like, Hey, okay, okay, let me actually use a platform like LinkedIn to create education and create content about equity deals. And that has helped me significantly to yeah, get into contact with a lot of startups, get in contact with a lot of talent managers uh, that are now actually clients of mine. That's excellent. Super inspiring. I saw a post, I think it was 90, 90 posts in 90 days, and you gave the number of the number of companies that contacted you or something over that time. Yeah, it was 327 companies reached out to me over 90 days that found me through my content on LinkedIn. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that's how we initially met as well, of course. So let's let's talk about influencer capital in a bit more detail. And I guess if we take a step back um, for people listening, you know, what are the benefits of using influencer marketing for startups? And then, of course, doing an equity deal with creators for startups. Yeah, so it actually comes back to three value propositions for startups. So the first one is obviously that allows startups to partner up with the best, most recognizable faces and put their startup in front of millions of consumers without spending any cash. Uh, so a lot of startups, they would obviously love to work together with star with celebrities, but they don't have necessarily the budgets to do so. They find equity model they can, and it really allows them to scale fast. Secondly, it also allows them to create authentic relationship with these influential people. Because uh, normally if you reach out to them and you offer them $10,000 in cash, then they will still consider it, even though they don't even 100% believe in your company. 
But when an equity deal, these influential people will only see a return if the company does well and eventually exits. So naturally, they're only inclined to do equity deals with companies that they truly believe in, meaning that if they're interested in doing an equity deal with you, uh, it means that they truly believe in you and what you do. Um, so that just creates much more authentic relationships because the incentives are aligned. And then lastly, if you have these type of people on board as, as shareholders, it basically gives you this celebrity-backed status, which is going to help you with credibility, which is going to help you with PR, because a lot of journalists, they love to cover news about celebrities. It can help you with fundraising, because it often creates like a little bit of FOMO with investors if they see that like big names are also involved with the startup. But it can also, for example, help you with partnerships. So let's say you are a drink company and you want to get into a supermarket. Now you can reach out to the supermarket and say like, hey, we have these celebrities on board and they're going to create content about our brand. And at the end, they're going to say, hey, we're now available at the Walmart or at the Costco. So that's going to drive traffic to those stores. So naturally, like stores as a Walmart, they're yeah, super interested in listing these types of products because it's going to drive traction. So yeah, it can definitely help you with establishing that types of partnerships as well. Great. I really, I really like those three, those three key pillars, and in particular that alignment of interest. Um, can you give everyone listening to them um, examples of great, um, great brands where this, uh, this kind of model is is relevant? Yeah. So let me actually give you two, also with like companies from here. So the first one is uh, Aviation Gin, which is a gin company that is actually started in two thousand six already. And then in 2017, Ryan Reynolds had his first sip of the actor Ryan Reynolds, like uh, people know him from Deadpool. Um, he had his first sip of gin and he referred to it as the best damn gin on the planet. And then he reached out to the brand and said, like, hey, I would love to be involved, but not necessarily in a cash deal, but I would love to have equity in the brand. Um, so they got the deal together, an equity deal. And yeah, Ryan Reynolds was basically involved in the marketing activities. Uh, the brand immediately took off and became the second largest gin brand in the United States. And only two years later, uh, Diageo acquired the company for $610 million. Um, so it was a brand that was already like active from 2006 to 2017. They didn't have the traction. And then only then Ryan Reynolds came aboard and in two years they were able to sell it. So this is a great example. Uh, another great example is the partnership between uh, On Running. It's a Swiss footwear brand together with Roger Feder. So yeah, Roger Feder is obviously a big uh, tennis player, Swiss as well. And they were like, hey, why don't we actually do reach out to the brand? was like, let me reach out to Roger Feder to see if he's interested in an ambassador position. So Roger Feder saw the brand and I was like, hey, I love what you guys are doing, but I don't want to do a cash deal. I want to do an equity deal. So they did an equity deal and Roger Feder received like a 3% equity stake. And he has been helping the team with product development, such as this shoe. So it's also called the Roger. Um, and you see also like a, an R somewhere. Um, he has been helping with the, the team with like fan experiences and also with marketing activities. And then the company went public in 2021. And his 3% equity stake is currently valued at $300 million. And to put that into context, uh, Roger Feder earned $100 million from his tennis career. So he earned three times as much from this equity deal than he did from playing tennis his whole career. So it just showcased the potential of this type of equity deals. Wow. I love those two excellent examples. And, and what I like is that in one, the creator or the talent went to the brand and in the other, the brand went to the talent. Um, are these deals complicated? I mean, for sort of the sums of money that you're talking, it sounds like they could be. Um, what, what are the key considerations? Um, yeah, so it's very complicated and that has to do with that there's no one size fits all. 
every deal is completely different. So let me start on the startup side. A lot of startups have no idea how to talk to celebrities or how to even talk about equity deals. Uh, they are often devaluing them. Um, so yeah, just they just have no idea how to present an offer to them, what they should be included, what they should expect from this celebrity. Secondly, a lot of these influential people, they have no idea what type of equity deals they should be doing. So when I started this, I just came back from Silicon Valley. I was helping like all these tech companies. So I started to reach out to these influential people with like tech propositions, like high tech, AI, VR. And then they came back and said like, Scott, well, super interesting. But one, can you explain it to me again? Because I don't understand. And two, um, this is not very sexy to promote, right? And I'm like, well, but it is a billion dollar opportunity. And then they were like, okay. Uh, and then I was like, okay, let me ask the question around. What type of equity deals would you like to do with startups? And then they said like, okay, I would love to do like an equity deal with a drink company or a fashion company or a makeup brand. And I'm like, well, but there are already tens of thousands of other people doing exactly that. Maybe you should look for a startup that really has something unique, something scalable, uh, something that is very hard to, to copy. And then they were like, okay, but can you help with that as well? So yeah, one, they have no idea how to talk to, like how to value these types of startups. And then the second problem with them is also um, the contracts. So if you now reach out to them and you get like a simple influencer marketing contract, it's often like a one or two pager. But once you start to talk about equity, it's like hundreds of pages, shareholder agreements, a dilution, what type of stock do they have, common versus preferred, uh, how does it work with pro rata, uh, all these types of things are vesting, um, they have no idea what it actually means. So you need to educate them a lot on how actually everything works. And that's just from a legal point of view, it's also very hard to structure on a tax, um, on a tax base. So yeah, that's why it's very complicated and that's why you don't see so many deals come back yet. And that's where you come in, presumably, to really iron that out. Um, so how do you look at it? Um, I guess, what are the investment criteria that you're looking at? Yeah, so we often like to say that we like to invest in Instagrammable products. Uh, so this comes back to the aspect of it needs to be sexy. Uh, so a lot of these influencers, they like to align themselves with like exclusive products or products that look good. Um, so that is something that we look for. We look for companies that um, already worked with influencers before because uh, yeah, in the past, sometimes a startup would reach out to me. They weren't even live and they said like, hey, we really think that we need to do an equity deal with an influencer. And I'm like, okay, have you ever tested if influencer marketing is even the right channel for you? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, okay, maybe you should first test it out before you actually engage on an equity deal. Um, so those are definitely two criteria that we're looking for. And then obviously, yeah, we kind of operate as an investment fund. So we perform our due diligence on these types of companies where we look at the strategy, the overall strategy, because besides the the celebrity being on board, they also need to have other marketing tactics into play. Uh, we look at the team. Are they experienced founders? Uh, is their product market fit? Um, so, yeah, we operate very similar as like an investment fund. Great. That makes absolute sense. But what about from the creator perspective? Because that's actually um, perhaps harder to, to manage, to know and understand um, and control the output, the quality of the content, the quality of the promotion from a creator or the talent. Um, how, what does that look like in an agreement? Are you defining deliverables or, um, or, or, or yeah, take us through that? Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're defining deliverables just to make sure that the startup knows exactly what they will get in return. Uh, so you try to list everything. So if the influencer has to be somewhere like uh, at a physical location for like a giveaway, 
then that needs to be in the contract just to make it very clear on both ends what they actually will get. And you can also apply structures such as vesting. So it's not that like you give 10% of your company upfront to a celebrity, but basically it's vested over the activities that they do. So for example, they first have to do 10 posts about your company. Well, then 1% of the company is unlocked um, and et cetera, et cetera, to make sure that you protect your equity as well and also keep the incentive aligned and keep the influencer engaged. That makes sense. And then what about, I mean, it's a risky business um, from a from a brand perspective, working with talent, because again, you can't control them. How do you sort of um, think about that? How do you advise brands to think about the idea of um, aligning themselves to some talent, which they don't have any control over? Yeah, well, so it obviously giving away equity is not the decision that you make overnight. Uh, so structuring these types of deals is also not something like how it normally works on a cash deal where you can reach out to an influencer and next week you can have him or her promote the company. Uh, so obviously months go past where the team just gets to know the influencer and the other way around to see if it even matches. And then also you can put in structures into place where you, for example, first do like a paid campaign. Uh, for two months to even see if the influencer, if the audience is connecting with the product that the influencer is promoting, if the influencer is actually leading to sales, if the influencer is still excited about the product after promoting it for two months. Um, so you can put in some test phases to see if an equity deal even makes sense uh, before actually talking about it. So there are a lot of different structures also on the startup side which you can use to protect yourself, such as vesting, such as a comfortable note. Uh, so for example, you just put it as debt. So if it's not working out, you just pay the influencer in cash. Uh, but if it is working out, they actually convert it into equity. Um, and this is also something that we help with um, the startup side. So that's why we are like the dedicated organization that's actually helping both sides to come to a deal. I love it. Yeah, I can definitely see the real value that you're adding there. I mean, I think there's so much um, spoken about in the creator economy at the moment about um, creator brands of the future, um, but they're complicated. And to have somebody um, starting to broker these transactions is really exciting. Um, I can't help but sort of notice the brands that you've got behind you. And I know you've been experimenting and trying some of the products. Um, do you want to kind of share some um, uh, examples of the ones that you like um, that you've, you've tested and seen? in addition to those earlier? Yeah, of course. So like one of the brands that I really like, it's a um, hard seltzer brand of a Victoria a secret model called Sarah Sampaio. And why I like it very much is because the celebrity market fit is unreal. As a Victoria secret model, you obviously have to count your calories very carefully. Uh, and like hard seltzer drink, they only have like 26 calories per like 100, uh, 100 milliliter. Um, so it fits perfectly with who she is um, and it tastes incredible. Uh, so this is definitely a brand that I really like. Uh, for example, Prime Energy, uh, I really didn't like. It was super sweet. Um, and yeah, something that definitely not attracts me. Uh, and I also think, especially now with all the, the talks about what Prime is actually doing, it just makes it a little bit risky. But nonetheless, I think what they're doing is, yeah, what they're doing is really impressive. Um, so those are definitely two brands that are super interesting. You also obviously have a lot of liquor brands. Um, yeah, just very interesting to see how fast they can scale. So like, as I mentioned with the aviation gin company, right, it's, in my opinion, just an average gin. But in two years time, they were able to scale and make an exit of $610 million. Similar to like the whiskey of Conor McGregor, two years time, sold it for $660 million. Casamigos of George Clooney, in four years time, sold it for a billion dollars. 
So for me, what is really interesting is the speed to market here. Uh, like in the past, companies were building for 10, 20 years to get to like a, a seven or eight figure exit. And now literally you can get to a nine figure exit in a couple of years. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that as well. And I, um, for me, it was one of the things that sort of attracted me to the kind of influencer marketing and the creator economy and having worked at traditional media companies like Disney in the past, you know, they've built some fantastic IP, but they're very slow moving businesses, whereas creators and talent with an engaged audience can really grow things quickly. And um, I'm, I'm excited to kind of follow your journey. Um, you've, you've, you've achieved quite a lot already in a short space of time. What, what's next for influencer capital yeah so we're trying to expand uh, us from only being a dedicated organization for these types of equity deals to everything that has to do with celebrity businesses so recently i started like kind of a as a daughter company of influencer capital called celeb syndicate it's basically an angel syndicate via which we invest in celebrity back brands because what is happening is that i often create a lot of content about celebrity back brands on linkedin and they start to reach out to me and they say like, hey, Scott, I completely believe in what you do. That's why we already put an equity deal into place ourselves. But actually, are you able to help us also beyond that? Are you able, for example, to help us with capital? Because, uh, yeah, we don't need the equity deal anymore. We already have that. And I'm like, well, that is actually a super interesting opportunity to, for, for me to expand the influencer capital brand. So, yeah, that's why I started this um, this syndicate to invest in brands like a punk or in brands like uh, a prime uh, or a feastable uh, in the future. Um, so that is one thing. And then actually the second thing is that we actually want to start our own venture studio in which we are going to incubate our own brands. So build these types of companies, start these types of companies together with the talents that we already have via influence capital. Um, so yeah, via that we try to expand uh, our business from solely doing equity deals to investing in brands as well and building our brands as well. Wow, that's amazing how one thing leads to another. And I'd love to um, discuss um, one of those things with you, maybe on a future episode. But before we leave it, um, can you just share some thoughts with the audience in terms of what you think the, the future of the creator economy will look like? Yeah, I'm obviously super biased, uh, but I definitely think that a lot more of these types of equity deals are going to happen or celebrities are going to start their own brands. What you see nowadays is that traditional consumer brands, they're struggling a lot. And it has to do with like things as, increased customer acquisition costs because platforms like Facebook, Instagram, they just significantly increase the prices. And it has to do with like inflation. It has to do with the privacy update of Apple. It has to do with ad blockers. So it just becomes a lot harder for these types of traditional consumer brands to reach their audience. And then in addition to that, in the past, that was all financed by venture capital money. So venture capitals were just throwing a lot of money at startups under the ethos of grow at all costs not focusing on profitability, but just focusing on market share. Uh, but yeah, we've been in through kind of a recession or we're getting into a recession or a potential economic downturn, so to say. And you see that a lot of these investors, they're keeping their money in their pocket. So a lot of these consumer brands, they're not able to deploy so much money anymore into marketing uh, and not grow as fast anymore. But these types of celebrity brands, they basically have a free channel because if the celebrity promotes it on the Instagram, they can reach millions of dollars of millions of people without spending a single dollar. So they just have a unique advantage. And that's why I think that a lot of brands are going to be started by celebrities like a punk or a lot of existing startups. They're going to look for new ways to grow and do equity deals. Uh, but what I also, for example, can predict is that a lot of these companies are going to get creators in-house um, to actually have them 24-7 produce content. 
so what if a Gymshark actually hires like a lot more influencers to do content production in-house and create content about workouts, etc. I think that's a very powerful tool that's going to be utilized in the upcoming years. Yeah, I mean, there's so many tailwinds for the creator economy. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Scott. I know you share lots of great examples online as well of other creator brands. Um, for anyone listening, how can they get in contact or find out more about Influencer Capital? Yeah, they can reach out via LinkedIn. Uh, they can email me at scott at influencercapital.nl uh, or just uh, reach out via the website. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you so much, Scott, and uh, look forward to seeing how the journey continues. Yeah, thank you for having me. So that was the latest episode in the Business of Creators podcast. We've got some amazing guests coming up. So please hit subscribe to join the conversation. And don't hesitate to send me a DM on Twitter or LinkedIn with your feedback about the show.